What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. As you'll notice, I'm a tad bit nasal, dealing with some of this head flu stuff that's going around, like head cold, nasal congestion, pre-winter flu action. Um, I feel fine. I just sound like I'm completely stuffed up, which I am. Um, we have uh, Mr. Gabe Leonard on this episode of the podcast. Um he joined us via Skype from his studio in L.A. We talked acronyms, rural life, Venice Beach, sales, cinema, luck, what it's deserved, jujitsu, styles, and uh, a little good old masculinity from a couple of a few bearded dudes sitting around shooting the shit. Um, so as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the podcast link there. Get all the information about the show, iTunes. Twitter, Facebook, whatever, whatever. Uh, Make sure you go follow Gabe. He has a show opening in Vegas. Actually, I'm working on this today, but the show won't be out for a few more days. And his show opens tomorrow um, in Vegas. And then uh, he says the show will be moving to the Distinction Gallery after that. So um, I'll I'll post on the Facebook and the Twitters when all that is uh, available and up to see uh make sure you go follow producer lex at producer lex on twitter and facebook uh like is like page uh you can follow the podcast at live free podcast on twitter and there's a like page on facebook as well post everything over there post everything on my page at mike maxwell art so wherever you can get the information go ahead and grab it uh go to itunes subscribe to the show leave a comment Rate it if you feel up to it. Click some stars. Uh, enjoy it. The show is coming out every Thursday. You guys enjoying it like that? Once a week, I think, keeping it regular. There was some, like, I would go months, like a month at least without doing a show. But um, I think having it come out once a week is pretty nice. And it's keep. it seems to be less work somehow. So that's that's nice. I think having Producer Lex on board has really improved the show. So uh, big ups, Producer Lex. Thanks to uh, people who've been donating to the show. That's super nice. Helps make this thing move forward. Um, yeah, so let's just jump right into this thing. Uh, Lex and I chat for a little bit. And then we talk to Mr. Gabe Leonard. I... I totally, I'm trying to change it up a little bit, and now it's kind of weird at the end. I didn't know how to transition in. But so, uh, I think this is episode 116. 116 episodes of this shit, you guys. Is that weird? Does that sound, it sounds crazy to me when I say it out loud, knowing that there's 116 plus hours out there. Um, But I'll keep doing it if you keep listening, I promise. All right? All right, so let's get right into this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Gabe Leonard. What's up, my friend? What's going on, man? Same old shit. We're back again. Yep. Doubling this thing up. We got shows coming out regularly every Thursday now. So check it. I wonder if by the time this episode comes out, if it will be Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's a, it's a, it's a possibility. It, it is a very big possibility if we keep on the pace that we're going. Things are going good. We're getting a lot of good response. People are enjoying the show. Yep. Um, you just got back from Atlanta this uh, this past week. I um, 
I was down at the Low Gallery where my show is. Okay. Uh, by the time the show will be down by the time the show this episode comes out, but um, I went down and we did some grilling out front. Oh, nice! Which was nice to do in like uh, you know commercial areas. It's kind of pulls people into the gallery. Yeah. Gets to see some different stuff. I painted their desk. They have. A, um, oh, okay. They have a big desk like where they do their register and all that shit. And uh, I went down there and painted that for a few hours. Did some day drinking, dude. Again, oh, man. <laughs> well, luckily I didn't have jujitsu to do afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I did some day drinking. It's a, not easy to do, man. But vodka is a little bit. <laughs> vodka day drinking is a little bit easier than uh, like heavy beer drinking. Yeah, and it's kind. Of, I kind of fucked up their scene this way. The gallery made mimosas, so I mean that's a fairly low that's alcohol mellow, yeah. drink. And I was like, nah, I brought the um, the ginger beer and the vodka and the mint and made Moscow some Moscow mules. mules to the head. I get it's I get a buzz just off of one. Yeah, I do too. I just keep going. Um, so it's funny. This I had uh, something happen to me on Facebook just recently. And I've mentioned on the podcast that because of... Uh, uh, my wife watching Catfish all the time. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah, I'm yeah. really quick to, if something comes up, to see if I could find people. <laughs> and so I was on Facebook uh, a couple nights ago, and I get this ad from somebody. And, you know, sometimes you get the fake, like, bot, like, chicks that yeah. are trying to add you on Facebook, and you it's like, know hey. it's bullshit. Like, it's usually just one titty picture <laughs> and, like, some bullshit. So I was like... Uh, I had one friend who I won't throw under the bus who was a yeah. mutual friend because he probably already got catfished. Okay. Uh, local artist. <laughs> oh. And man. so I get this ad and it's like this fucking like model like blonde chick. She looks like she's a model in the Ukraine or something, mm-hmm. you know, like Eastern European, you know, like supermodel type. Yeah. Exotic. And, yeah. And so I was like, I was. Like my, I was gonna just click deny or whatever the other option is. Uh-huh. But usually, like I don't like I, if it seems like it could be a possible person interested in the yeah. work, I'll just click okay. Like I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, I don't know. This is a stupid one. Like it could have went either way. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like seventy five percent sure it was fake, but it was like okay twenty percent because usually the fake ones I don't have any mutual friends, and if yeah, I don't yeah. have any mutual friends, I'll just click deny because it usually looks fake as shit. Yeah, but this one I had a mutual friend, so I was oh, like, shit. and it said San Diego, I think was like the hometown or whatever. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, I click it. As soon as I click it, I get a little IM pop up just saying, hey, and I was like, oh, hi. And then she wrote, um, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "You just you like, I am Facebook. yeah." <laughs> I know, right? It says right there. Well, you know what's funny is I don't put exactly where I'm from, but it's it's pretty obvious. Uh, but I was like, "Why are you just I am random dudes about where yeah. they're from? Come on now!" <laughs> and I was like, and she said something like, oh, "I just wanted to know." And I was like, "Wait a second. Okay, this is for sure fake. You're some weird type of catfish troll yeah, yeah. who tries to act like some hot chick and starts like IMing dudes. And I was like, oh, I'll go look at your friends. So I go and look in the friends, and it's like 50 dudes of all different types of dudes, <laughs> like no chicks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're a you're one of those fucking catfish trolls that creates a fake account and tries to have these like personal relationships with people. Oh, damn. And so I was like. Are you one of those catfish trolls? Because you just before the podcast, you asked me if the word troll like, was well, okay. Because we were as talking an about all, we're, well, is it, is that what you were asking? If as it, 
Is well, it an acronym? No, it's... I think it's just the word troll, right? Yeah, There's yeah. no dots in between. Yeah, but... It... Are we using the word acronym right? I still don't know. I used, I used it wrong. You used it right the other... Like when I said LOL, that's an acronym. Yeah. So... Yeah. We were talking about how whether one word was okay, okay to use. <laughs> yeah. In my law of which words are okay to use. So I was like, you're up to some shenanigans, person. <laughs> and then they saw what I said because I could see that it said see, yeah. but they never responded. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. So watch out for those catfish, uh, wait, the catfish trolls on Facebook. This day and age, everybody card. has a camera on everything they own. Yeah. Like every single phone that you would have has a camera on it. How could it be hard? Like, how are people still getting catfished? Yeah, I. that's a very good question, but it happens. At yes, least the TV is. show makes it seem like it does. Yes. So, so <laughs> speaking of catfish, we have Mr. Gabe Leonard on the show today. I wonder if he goes by Gabe or Gabriel. We'll ask him. Yeah. So um, let's, let's get right into this thing and give him a call, I think. Sound yep. good? Yep. All right. Let's give Gabe a call here. Hello. Gabriel Leonard. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good, man. How are you? Good. It's uh, it's nice to finally speak with you. It's uh, I, I, we wanted to ask right away. Do you do you go by Gabriel or Gabe? Gabe. I I have my private Facebook message page as Gabriel because I keep on getting the two. I have a fan page and a personal page, and I was getting everybody's getting them mixed up so i separated them out that way okay i i usually i have the same thing i, I almost almost everyone calls me mike yeah but my mom calls me michael i think my dad calls yeah. me michael sometimes too yeah my girlfriend calls me gabriel i have a, a, a tremendous amount of people that tend to call me max which oh yeah i've done that before <laughs> weirds me out and it's universal yeah, it's not just like well, in the middle somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> I keep talking about this on the podcast, but I really want to start using my full name, Michael James Maxwell. What's your middle yeah, name? That's cool, William. William, that's a strong. That was my grandfather's name. Yeah, it Michael seemed, James Maxwell. That, that sounds pretty cool. It sounds strong, right? It sounds <laughs> yeah. powerful. So, um, so, just go by MJM. I yeah, right. <laughs> so we were just talking about uh, acronyms. acronyms, right? Is that the right use? Are we still are we using acronyms properly? Yeah, I think so. Like initials, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm sure somebody will be Google searching it. Hey, it's not right. You said the wrong <laughs> English word, <laughs> which happens all the time. Say, so, first off, I want to thank you for um, taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. I've been following your work for a long time. I think, I feel like the first time I saw it in person was through the Distinction Gallery down here in uh, yeah, San Diego yeah. Escondido area. Yeah, I'm still, work, still, work, still working with them quite a bit, actually. Good, yeah, uh, yeah, doing a lot of a lot of work for me. It's pretty good. Yeah, they're rad people. When um, let's see, let's start. Let's start, I guess start from the beginning. Um, where did you grow up at? I was uh, born and raised in Wyoming. Uh, born in Casper, which is like in the middle of the state. It's like the big city of Wyoming. It's got at the time around sixty thousand people, maybe. So what you were like, you were in the in the city because you know you just hear uh, that somebody grew up in Wyoming, and it <clears> automatically puts you like out on the plains. Well, that's kind of where I grew up. I was born in Casper, but that was 60 miles away from where I lived. And I lived in a little town called Lynch, which uh, is the last name of a rancher there that was leasing land to oil field companies. My dad worked for an oil field company, so the t- he was uh, you know, out in the field doing stuff. So the town I grew up in had about 100, 150 people on it. And, you know, there's like two or three kids my age. And you probably, you know, as far as all the kids in town, there's probably about 15, 20 kids. 
town. If so I my spent... my assumptions were right then. Yeah. <laughs> See that I, Lex? I spent, yeah, yeah. I spent all my summers, you know, out, out catching snakes and lizards, and uh, you know, building forts and playing in the frog pond, and then in the winters building igloos and sledding down hills all over the place. And pretty much grew up in the middle of nowhere. It seems like it's it's really easy to romanticize that stuff as a grown adult living in like hated, modern yeah, day world. I, I was like, man, you know, I didn't realize that you didn't have to have winter. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, your job is to dig your parents' car out of the six foot snowdrift every year. Uh, it's it, it gets old. <laughs> how much of that? I, I would assume because you know, just in in learning where you grew up, like I using your work as a as a as a piece of that it kind of shows do you feel like some of that early stuff in life like it kind of like i feel like you you have a, a the use of gangsters and cowboys have a tendency yeah to show yeah a lot. So, well it's, it's kind of what you're hitting at is i think back to just my experience you know and now, now that i'm older i'm thinking well what if i didn't have electricity or or you know a, we, we had a car to go drive to town to get food there was there was nothing out there and uh you know, and then on top of that, imagine people, you know, native people, you know, trying to attack you or kill you, or, you know, cougars and coyotes and wolves and stuff. You know, it wasn't a friendly place. So just to be there, you had to really have a super strong frame of mind. Did you? And, were uh, your ancestors from the area too? Do you do you have any trace you know, of that? <clears throat> my family on my dad's side is a lot of it's from uh, Kentucky, and um and. You know, some of the some of them are immigrants from Germany, and uh, and that kind of mixes up in the, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa. That's where a lot of my dad's side of the family was. And my mom's was uh, from Colorado, and uh, she was living in Wyoming at the time where my parents met. Do you do you feel like some? You know, I I talk about this a lot with people like who grew up on the, like the East Coast a lot. We hear this conversation about. Uh, about how the weather affects like the work, and I would assume growing up in that rural of an area, there's a lot more work that becomes involved, even for like as a kid, right? Like just in in having to dig a car out, or you know, it, and maybe not so much for your generation because of modern technology, but like maybe like your parents or them before, or the, or the people who were there before. Like there's this sense of like you really have to work to survive. That, yeah. that lends yeah. itself to, you know, something of a creative field. Like you really are, are become a problem solver in your day-to-day life as opposed to like just typing numbers into a computer or, you know, answering emails all day or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think any amount of, any amount of struggles that way. I mean, if, you know, where, where it was for me, it wasn't so much, you know, I had to find food and stuff like, like that. Or, or, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, I had to come out here and figure out things for myself. And, uh, you know, the jobs when I first moved to L.A. were, you know, the only thing I could get was working at Macy's for Christmas seasonal help. And it was like six twenty-five an hour. And my rent was, you know, I had a roommate, but it was like 700 bucks a month. That's 350 bucks each. And, you know, when you're making $120 a week. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's, that's nothing. So it's like it forced me to be creative about where I looked to sell my work and I was having trouble getting into, I was trying to get into animation studios at the time. It's like, like 1998, 1999. And, uh, I, uh, was trying to get into background painting. And at the time, all the studios were laying off traditional artists and it was all going to digital, you yeah. know, and my dreams were going down the pipes with it. <laughs> but, yeah. it, it but, uh, but the thing was, is I wasn't, 
necessarily married do I have to be in an animation studio. I, all I knew is I wanted to make art, make you know, make a living with my art, and make and uh, that was it. And I knew that Disney. I knew there were companies that hired that. And so you know, growing up, you're told to grow up, go to school, and get a job. Right. And so that's what I was trying to do. I was like, I, I got to find a job that pays artists, and this is one of them. And so then I'm like, well, what do I, do? you know, what do I do now? I'm shuffling around all these studios, and I just wound up in Venice Beach one day, saw people selling art down there, and it kind of dawned on in my head that, you know, they wouldn't be here if they weren't making any money because they're trying to sell something. And if they're ma- if they're making money, and you know, their art was just, in my opinion, wasn't you know that interesting or that you know, I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, but that didn't that didn't dissuade me. It's like, well, somebody sure. might like it, and if they're buying it, well, if they can do it, then so why can't I? And so I went out there with my art and a you know, a big, huge portfolio case and laid it down on a blanket. And I think my, you know, I, I brought some color copies from Kinko's and like my first day I made like $9, but it, it cost me $6 to park. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it was like, Oh, well, I, maybe I can try this again and, you know, do it different. And I was going down there when I first started out making like 30 or 40 bucks, you know, at a time. And at the time it was like, you know, that was, that was eight hours at Macy's, you know, it was, it was a little extra money. Every little, every little dollar helped. And, it got to the point after a couple of months, like I, I went down down to Venice on a weekend, and I made like a two hundred dollars in one weekend. Nice. And uh, that doesn't sound like much money, but a, you know, a whole week working at Macy's was like a hundred and fifty dollars, one hundred eighty nine dollars, I think, if I worked thirty hours. Yeah, right. And and then and, you get to do the thing that you're really trying to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so then I went to my manager at Macy's, and I'm like, look, you know, I'm part time. Could I just can I just work during the week and have weekends off? And she's like, No, you can't do that because you're part time. You have to be available all the time. And so and uh, so I, you know, she said you can, you know, we could put you on leave or something like, that, you know, or you can go on a go on call, you know, because I was gonna say, Well, I need to take the summer and the weekends. And she's like, Well, you can go on call. So I went on call. And I think I, I'm not sure if I'm not still on call from. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get a call ten years later. <laughs> hey, listen, Gabe, yeah. we got a busy schedule really- this week. Yeah, we really need some shirt folding going on around here. <laughs> so that's cool. You kind of and you know that's a point we I really try to nail down with the podcast. Like for maybe people who are listening, getting into the game, or like yeah, people just yeah. starting out, is like once you see that it's possible, you see somebody who actually yeah. does something that is similar to what you're doing and is is making it work for them. Then you know that it's it's something that you could do too. And it takes like like you said, you don't really know you like. You want to be in an art field, but you don't know what pays the bills. Everyone just says to go to college and be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever yeah, the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Which I well, I would tell kids now too. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, from my my point of view, it's it's what it boils down to. If you really want to, you know, make a living with your art or live off your your art in any significant ways, you have to look for opportunities. Opportunities don't fall into your lap. They're usually dug up out of the ground. They're they're in places that you don't you're not paying attention. And uh, on top of that, when you see an opportunity, it's usually something that nobody else is willing to take, and they don't see it as the opportunity either. So, you know, when I was down in Venice, I, it, was, it was scrappy down there. I'd have to, you know, argue over over spaces. I almost got in fistfights, and sure. and I and I realized like I was willing to get punched in the face just to have the opportunity to sell my artwork. And I did that every every weekend. I was down there, you know, early in the morning. Did you find? And, did you? Know, you- did you build like a community down there with people once yeah, you kind yeah. of yeah yeah you know, and then the people that are around you become friends with and they all start you start looking out for each other and and there would be some rogue crazy guy come in and build a sand mermaid and cuss at everybody walk down the street and nobody would want to mess with him because they, they didn't know what he was up you know there's always Which, there's 
tons of craziness down there. For so people who don't know, that fucking crazy. That strip of a boardwalk may be the most wild of of boardwalks in existence. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in Jersey, there's something that could be, you know, down but, like but, Coney but Island. The other, <laughs> the other thing I, the other thing I learned about that is, you know, because it was, you know, survival of the. Uh, of the most desperate, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not it's, so much uh, the it was, it was rough, but whenever I started going to like, street festivals and art festivals, man, any aggravation they threw at me was nothing. It would be like, "You're in my spot by one inch." <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like, man, you're lucky I didn't put a trash can in your spot. <laughs> <laughs> no threat of being stabbed by a crackhead or anything. Yeah, Just some yeah, old I, ladies haggling you. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, so it's you know. Looking for the opportunities, and, and and I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of people, have the idea that you know they're going to hook up with a gallery, and the gallery is going to take off for them and do something. But and when you're starting out, you have to take everything into your own hands. I think, and, yeah. and unless you, you know, if, if you were waiting, you're going to be waiting a lot longer. And, yeah, uh, and I think it's it's great experience too to understand what it is to be on the other side of the art making yeah. process, where you're yeah. actually doing yeah. the marketing. You're doing the sales. You're doing the interactions between the people. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Like sometimes I don't even want to go to my shows just because sometimes I think my dumb mouth ruins the interaction with people. Because <laughs> I swear the people that like my shit like it for some totally different reason than for yeah. why I'm making it. And it's so yeah. weird. I just had this happen. This uh, my I have a show that's closing, and I was there, and there's somebody who wanted to buy a piece, and so the gallery owner brings me over to say hi or whatever. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And it all of a sudden becomes this stage where you're like, okay, now you're selling the used car. Now let's figure <laughs> out what he wants to hear to be able to get this thing. And, I, and then I start having this like inner dialogue, like this inner conflict of like, don't be like a sellout like used car salesman. <laughs> Just be honest. And then I start being too fucking honest. And then it's all like I, I, out, I sell them right out of the fucking thing sometimes, you know? Like, oh, so it's like, I, uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, whenever I was selling, I to sell i used to sell all my own art for you know the last hey gabe hold on one second I, you're you're cutting out a little bit maybe try turning the um video off how's that yeah i think it, it might be less glitchy it was just doing skype weird so it cut out right yeah. when you said you you started selling your your own stuff like oh yeah well i was gonna say whenever you're you know you start realizing that Whenever you're making a painting or a drawing, you're selling something. You're selling an idea, an expression. And what I mean by selling is not like you're exchanging money for it, but you're you're throwing something out there for somebody else to accept or to understand. And so you're you're trying to convey an idea, and that's the idea of what you're selling. You're selling something that's in your mind to somebody else's eyes, basically. Yeah, I tell so people on- a lot of times they're selling themselves too. Like part, yeah. like selling a part of ourselves, and yeah. I think rich people who buy art are, like artists are taking a part of rich culture, like yeah. what it is to be rich for a minute, and then exchanging what it is to be an artist with somebody rich. Like, yeah. well, it's you know when rich people buy art, I think it's like, well, what would I do if I was rich? I'd buy art. Yeah, or in whatever form it is, whether it's you know paintings or fancy cars or you know, yeah, maybe they're not, maybe they don't. Maybe they're buying something because so they don't think it's because they're buying art, but but uh, I think more satisfaction comes out of making it than it does collecting collecting it all the time. But yeah, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, and so and so that's the other thing that I you know I got my mind around early on. I think too was that there's two different things, and one is making art, one's selling art, and they're two different things. And 
but the selling part of art is another form of art. It's 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 it is an art, and when you learn how to uh, talk to people, I mean, especially when you're selling it yourself, you're you're talking to people about uh, uh, about your art. So you learn how to talk about it. You you really get you know more insight into your own work, and you think about it more, and you think about how to explain. You know, somebody has a question, what it, you're, you know, you, there's something that you put down. It's kind of an intangible idea or, or a feeling, but you start learning to articulate different aspects of it so people who want to know what you think can understand what you're, what's going on as well. Yeah, I just think that I give people too much information. I just got to learn how to dial it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it is. It's like that, a craft. You really got to – and you got to practice. You got to yeah. have all the experience. I usually have like a, a one or two sentence blurb about any painting that I – you know, somebody asked me about it. I have a way to explain it in like a sentence. Yeah, and uh, if they want to dig deeper and ask more questions, I'm happier to go into it farther. But you know, I, I don't usually offer all kinds of explanations for everything that I do because that tends to you know take away the element of surprise. Yeah, exactly. I th- I, th- I I sometimes think that I surprise people with what the the idea or the you know the moment in time, what the subject matter is, that it it shocks them, and then I get like a like a, a blank stare. Sometimes you know, yeah. and then it's like, okay, time to fill this weird, awkward space with too many words. Yeah. You should just start dancing. <laughs> yeah, I gotta learn a jig or something. Just like, yeah. So it, it's funny. I um, you you mentioned like how it, we're it's it's capturing a moment in time. I've been talking about this a little bit recently, like about how much more uh, efficient the uh, film is for storytelling and I, in looking at your work it's it, I, I see that there's I, I wrote down cinematic aspects to your work and then I went yeah. and looked on your website and noticed the the use of cinematic yeah. in yeah. the in the byline or whatever wow. well, I'd got a lot of people ask you know saying that it looks like movies or it's cinematic feeling and so I heard it so often and I just thought well that'd be a good way to have you know kind of a uh, a marketing edge to it I think it's because I do you know, I I can't say that I, you know, I'm always watching movies. I'm watching movies. I'm always paying attention to wardrobe and I'm paying attention to lighting and and cinematography. And you know, even even if I don't like the story, it's like I'm paying attention to all kinds of other things. And that really, I'm like, oh, if I want to set up this mood, maybe set up lighting like that. You know, like this, you know, fight scene, or if it's you know, whatever it might be. Just you pay attention to how somebody else did it. You take cues from them like oh that's a great idea maybe i can borrow that element you know out of that film or that video and and uh, use it as a way to set up a, a a painting somehow yeah and i don't think that that's utilized very much like i was even thinking like because i i've had this like grinding urge to to write a film and yeah. i was and then i was like well you know you're a fucking painter dummy you're not a writer <laughs> you know like not that i couldn't do it like i could do anything but you know, like, so I started thinking, like, well, how do you combine those two? Like, what could what could be done? And I actually thought of like an idea of, uh, like, sort of like when they they lay out a film, was it they they do the storyboard? You know, like yeah. doing an entire show like a storyboard. Have you ever done something like that? Because now looking at your work, I could see how it could kind not, of fit into that, like tell a complete like narrative. Not, I haven't done anything quite that elaborate, mainly because I. Would, you know, I'd get tired of making the same scene know, right? that, that over and over. But I generally can take a, a scene. You know, I have certain scenes in a, you know, like I say, I, I've just finished a roulette table painting. 
well, maybe there's a few different ways I wanted to make that painting with a couple focus on different characters. I can make kind of a series of paintings that's within a scene, but like going from one point to the exact next point, it just, it's like there's so many, only so much time in the world that I have and there's so much interest in that. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, it would obviously have to be a muted sort of, uh, yeah. you know, shorten the film down to like well, I, 10 I, minutes. Well, I kind of, I've kind of done that in my, this series I just finished up. It's, we're I'm having a uh, premiere in Las Vegas with, it's, it's a, it's a show, it's a, it's on my website, it's called Luck, and basically it follows uh, five separate characters through, through these different scenes, and, uh, they all have the ideas and philosophies to do with philosophies about luck and what is it. They also, it also has to do with, it's kind of like this, you know, mobster guy. And then he's got this girl and then this girl's got a friend. She's kind of like a loose cannon character. And then there's this young guy that the mobster is like, you know, kind of taken under his wing and he's, the young guy knows how to count cards or playing blackjack. And then, you know, you can tell they counted cards cause he hit on 18 and he's, you know, he, you got a three and, <laughs> right. you know, and then there's a scene where they're, you know, the, the mobster guy has this kind of muscle guy, like the hired muscle guy. And, and in one scene, that guy gets in a fight, a fist fight with somebody. And another scene, he's with the young guy dressed as clowns with shovels in the desert. And you know, <laughs> so it, it goes through all these different things that, you know, the, the, the mobster guy and his, and his fiance or wife are at the, at a restaurant and a table, you know, kind of have a romantic moment. The, uh, the the loose cannon is a magician's assistant, so she's floating above a magician in one painting. So it, it all it all takes place in in Las Vegas, without explicitly showing Las Vegas or casinos, other than like you know roulette tables and cra- you know blackjack tables yeah. and stuff. Are you much of a so, gambler? Did you have, did you get to the bottom of of luck? Did you did you figure it out? Yeah. Well, for me, it's it's all in our head. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. It's just a concept. And the, and the point is, it's like, uh, where does luck begin? You know, well, you could say that you were one of the 300 million lucky sperms to get into that egg, you know? I say that shit all the time, but that's my yeah. big ego talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, then behind that is like, well, then your dad and your mom were the 100, 300 million lucky sperms to get into their parents' eggs. And, oh, that gets and, so exponentially large. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it's like, well, I found a penny. Is that lucky? You know, it's like, there's all kinds of scales. It's, it, what it is, it's just Subjective. a... It's just a yeah, it's just an I- arbitrary idea we have to describe a past event. It's it's not a force of nature that can be predicted or measured or weighed. Now, let me ask you this. What about when you're perceiving luck in another person, when it's outside of you? Well, that's usually the best time you ever see it is when you think you see somebody else becoming lucky. Uh-huh. You know, you, like you see somebody like, oh, they won the lottery. I wish that was me. Well, I guess if you played, you know, I guess you'd be lucky if you didn't play the lottery and you still won. That would be that would be luck. Yeah. That would yeah. be divine. So, so, That's a good one. Yeah. So so the the whole idea of luck is that a uh, it's just a game that we play. Really, it's just a fantasy in our mind that we've invented and and uh, we like to use it to you know. One idea I had is that when somebody calls you lucky, they didn't really expect anything from you, which means like oh you know you're becoming successful now. You you, you know you got lucky. I'm like yeah. Like well, I mean. <laughs> Now, expect 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 me to do nothing. But then, but does that does that make it seem as though everyone is actually rewarded for their hard work? I don't think it's a matter of you know another painting with the clowns called "Deserve" has nothing to do with it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. and uh, and the, the idea is that nobody gets what they deserve. You don't deserve even to be here, and you don't deserve anything really great or anything really bad that happens to you. Things. Things happen, and that's just about what it boils down to. That's it. 
and uh, you know, I, you know, kind of the idea that I'm following lately in my mind is, you know, the, the, I guess the one of karma, but not in the sense of like a reward and punishment system from the universe. It's more of, you know, things happen to you and you do things, and those are both you, and that's what luck is. Things that happen to you is like. You know, do you your heartbeat? Is that something that happens to you, or is it something that you do? Right. You know, your your hair growing is that something that happens to you? Do you control it, or is it something you do? Well, it's it's both. Everything you are is what happens to you and what you do. So that's what luck is. It's what Can happens ask, to you. Let me ask you a personal question. Do you deny yeah. yourself pleasures sometimes? Is that do you, if you were to exam, examine your personality, like are you one to sort of? Uh, maybe not not give yourself extra pleasures. So, for instance, let me use myself. So, yeah. I love sugar drinks, right? Yeah. Anything with sugar. So, yeah. I have a tendency to like go overboard and and make like I have a need to give myself oh, yeah. reward systems. Yeah. Do you? Are you? Uh, you know, some would say like maybe masochistic is the is the terminology that maybe some people I, would use. That might be too. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I don't not deny myself anything. I mean, I don't say. I can't have this just because I think it's a sin or something. Yeah. I'm not judging I, either just for. Not, yeah. Whatever. So I, you know, like when it comes to, you know, I, I guess food was my reward system. I would eat, you know, not horribly, but inappropriate amounts. And I, I wasn't exercising and stuff so, and, and drinks and sugary drinks, but it got to the point where sugary drinks are just making me sick and I feel sick. So I quit drinking them and I knew that was, I knew there was big health consequences and like sodas and stuff. Yeah. So when I, when I realized that, you know, the, the risks out reward the temporary reward, I, I quit drinking those, and then I I went to the uh, doctor earlier this year. You know, got a physical and found out I had diabetes and high oh, blood man. pressure, high cholesterol. I'm like, oh crap, man! It's like you know, I've, so I just turned my life around. I, I started eating you know more whole raw f- fruits and vegetables, and and cut out breads and starches and dairy and all kinds of stuff and f- fried foods and processed foods and all that stuff. And I. Uh, Started weightlifting and then I joined a jujitsu ju- club and yeah, let's you know, talk I've, about that. I, I yeah. saw you just got your second strike. We could talk. We yeah. could do a whole podcast about jujitsu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would. I would much rather talk about jujitsu than even. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because jujitsu. What I'm learning so far in jujitsu really relates to making art. Too. It's exactly it's, the same, right? It's you know having this having the uh, patience and not trying to rush through things and and uh, not. Make putting you know not doing something until you have a plan and know what you're going to do is like even when it comes down to brushwork and you know not scrumble and splatter all around trying to figure something out just like think about it for a second and then and then proceed. Yeah. So um, when did you start jujitsu? Uh, uh, beginning of July. Nice. And uh, you train with my with my homeboy Orlando out out at uh, Gracie oh, Pasadena. Yeah. Gracie yeah, Baja. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gracie Baja Pasadena. How yeah, great Orlando's is that great guy? guy? Yeah, yeah. He's really cool. Yeah, I'm super stoked on him. I'm going to come up and train with you guys. I, I came up because uh, I go and check out the Ice House over there just yeah. down the street. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I came up. I, I went in uh, a couple Fridays ago. I stopped by Shoyer Roll. And every time I'm at Shoyer Roll, Orlando's there. Or he shows up for a minute and comes in and gives everybody sweaty man hugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a beast. He's, he, he's always training or working out, doing something somewhere. It's, he's nonstop. I, uh, I got to watch one of the techniques that were was being taught and i'm using it now in my game too it's pretty rad yeah I, my game right now is just try not to get choked and arm barred and try to maintain, maintain position it's like i'm i mean i have a i have a, a wrestling background from high school so i pick it up to pick it up pretty quickly but i still get to a lot of places where i just don't really know what to do so i just 
try to hold somebody down or just you know yeah even knowing wrestling like it's funny i because you know wrestling works really well in no gi but as soon as you yeah. put the gi on and yeah, there's yeah. ways to get choked it, you you see how wrestling gives you a good base but does not make you a good jujitsu player necessarily no 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 and i just gives you a uh you know, a head start when you first start out. Yeah, it gives you a couple good, like, escapes, you know. You could do, yeah. like, sit-outs and a couple different things. Yeah. You can get on well, people's back. You have good balance. Well, one thing I'm finding, too, is that a, a lot of people aren't, just aren't good at takedowns. And when you get into takedown situations, and so end up on our – yeah. So end up on our knees together. And I do an anaconda roll all the time right into a guillotine choke. Oh, I mean, shit. I'm catching yeah. people on that quite a bit because they just they don't know what they're doing when they're facing somebody. And they, yeah. they don't pull guard right away. They end up on their hands and knees. That's uh, uh, I've been shooting that a lot in my game too from starting right there because I'm I'm a guard player for sure. Like I do not like shoot. I don't mind shooting single legs. Shooting double legs, I'm not a big fan yeah. of. My knees get all fucked up from you know planting them into the mat. I'll well, pull guard do, any day. You ever do a shoulder toe? throws or hip tosses or anything like that no i know how to do them but i don't yeah. ever do them live rolling i'll pull yeah. half guard i'll pull de la Hiva. Yeah, yeah i'll start wait i'll i'll just sit i'll just play sit guard because i yeah. like to attack legs anyway like i'll yeah. sit down and just start like climbing up people's legs if i can <laughs> i hate it when people do that I just kind of try to run around <laughs> I yeah had one guy i had one guy i was doing that and i just you know i grabbed his his pant legs and pushed him down i kind of just flipped over my shoulders onto onto his head <laughs> <laughs> like and i was like just get her just dance or fly around him somehow have you got to train with um command z mr johnny rodriguez yeah 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 he he uh teaches a class there the fundamentals class in the evening sometimes nice so yeah he's pretty cool you yeah, see he, yourself uh, sticking I with it he uh i trained with him uh, for a few minutes one night because I, we were an odd man out and all he did was you know hold me down with his hips and I was on my back I couldn't even put me in chokes I was like man I could I could I couldn't even turn my hips to shrimp out at all I was like hey, this and you know what that keeps happening forever yeah. and ever yeah. and ever yeah yeah until I guess but you you'll always find black belts that will be better than you even when you're a black belt like, yeah it's so yeah. strange how like I last night I had a blue belt whoop my ass for six minutes then I had a purple belt whoop my ass for six minutes and then so I are got you to whoop. Are you a black belt then? No, no, I'm a blue belt. You're blue belt. Yeah. No, I, I, I was catching whoopings yesterday, and then I took it out on a white belt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that guy was me because my my class yesterday it was me and one other white belt, and the rest of them were blue and purple belts. And yeah. I was, I was getting mopped up. You know, I, I I'm pretty good at stalling out. Like, you know, I, I see things coming. I don't know how to defend a lot of things. I'm easily baited, but I'm pretty good at like. Putting off the inevitable, yeah, for a while. But I, I was getting caught by those guys. That's what happens. It's like the first year and a half is just defense, 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 where you you finally start to figure out where you're getting killed at. Then you start to figure out how to defend and not die, and then you start to figure out how to kill. But yeah. then you, but like I said, it's weird. Like I'll roll with a, a high level blue belt or a purple belt. Yeah. And it'll be like I just started. Like nothing that I, I do that works on a bunch of other people will even yeah. come close to working. Like it, yeah. yesterday, I was just out gripped the whole time. Everything that I tried to do, one of my arms was locked up, one of my legs was locked up. There was, uh, yeah. it was like I could only yeah. get two thirds of the way through, and everybody knew exactly yeah. what I was doing before I did it. Yeah. 
I'm everybody I'm catching in, in the white belt groups is that uh, I think it's called the Ulam Plata or something it's like the kind of an elbow wrist lock where they put their they have their wrist up there and you kind of weave it through and I don't uh, know how to describe it. The shoulder, it's a shoulder lock, the Oma Plata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, catch, I mean, I catch, you know, I learned that a little, and uh, I'm good at get, catching white belts and that other fellow oh, yeah. white belts because they they always have their arm winged out somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, either up here, or over here, reaching around, and it's just always easy to grab. So it's it's guys. interesting, right? Like the connections between making art and doing it. Like I find the the sort of meditative process that I talk yeah. about all the time is like. It's weird how you go to the gym and get on the mat and nothing else exists. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's a form of meditation for sure. You're in the moment right there and uh, you're not worried about, you know, the, the the rent or anything else. It's just you know, you're you're uh, pushing through the moment. I find a lot of people don't um realize how much of just a game it is like a lot you know it's funny when you hear people talk about jujitsu who don't do it yeah they're like oh well that shit wouldn't work on the street and what happens if i threw you on the ground and you're not going to be on the ground and you know like come up with all these reasons why it's like not have perfect they ever, for have some they ever street been fight. In a fight before <laughs> yeah. right and i i tell people dude it's magic if if you get taken down by somebody who knows jujitsu even just a little bit and you know none you're done there's yeah I mean, yeah. anyone can get punched in the face, but but it's not even it's not even about that. Like, so yeah. it, so much of it is just it's like you're going into a room to play chess or whatever yeah. game yeah. it is you yeah. like to play. And you're doing it's like for me, it's like you do this, and now I assume everybody on the street is a black belt, so I would never want to fight anybody else. Yeah, that's what <laughs> nobody realizes either. Once you are humbled by somebody who weighs a yeah. hundred pounds less than you, and they could just dominate yeah. you. You yeah. you don't want to start a fight, and you know you go into a gym and you you get all those fucking energies out. So have you found that it's been it's been good for you um, health wise? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I've lost probably twenty five pounds in the last few months. Yeah, I mean, nice. been dieting, you know, eating the right diet, and you know, I do weight training, and they gave me. I started doing the weight training first, and uh, but now it's like it seems kind of pointless. Like I'm going yeah. to lift weights to lift more weights, and now it's like I have a purpose to do that. It's like I'm trying to gain strength from my jujitsu training and. You know, and uh, the jujitsu training is, like you were mentioning, it really requires you to humble your ego because you have to submit, and everybody does, and you have to know. And if you don't submit, you're going to get hurt. So you have to learn how to submit and 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 uh, tap out before you get hurt. And uh, it's and sometimes you're going to get submitted a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's all that happens. I remember it took a long time before I submitted somebody. Yeah, but meanwhile, getting submitted every day. I think it took at least at least six months. Yeah, I mean, I've I've submitted people that are you know my belt or you know yeah same same rank as me, but I have I haven't really uh you know done any. I guess I guess I guess you know I haven't done any competition, so I haven't really had to have anybody you know really push it to the edge. Either. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh. Again, it's it changes your personality. It's so strange, and it's so weird to say because, you know, like doing something that that maybe a group of other people don't do. Like you could talk about it, and it doesn't yeah. really connect with them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Lex, have you ever done any jujitsu? Producer no, I, Lex is here to my right. I don't know if you can. Okay, uh, hey. how's it going? Good. How you doing? Um, no, I have not. I've I've only thought of, like I've mentioned before, I've only thought about doing jujitsu when I've gotten done after a really hard Muay Thai class. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't. <laughs> it would be absolutely... uh, yeah. 
Have you ever tried any Muay Thai, Gabe? No, I haven't done anything like that. <clears throat> yeah, I started off doing Muay Thai, and I just got too angry with people punching me in the face. I was not good yeah. at it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the opposite. Like, I need to get hit to learn. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I well, that's the same way. Same to, yeah, yeah. To learn, you got to be submitted oh, yeah, a bunch yeah. to learn how to submit somebody. Oh. Yeah. I guess I just never tried it. I do want to try it, but I think one of my best submissions, I that I still do, uh, the Ezekiel choke, it is I'm I'm good at it because I got hit with it so hard so many times that I had yeah. to learn it. To one, survive it, and then to figure out why it is that I was getting yeah. smashed with it. Is that is that the one where they're on top of you and they kind of got you in the head and arm? Uh, no, the Ezekiel choke is if you're, let's say you're you're mounted somebody, and yeah. you you have a cross face, which is the arm under the head. Yeah, you yeah. grab your own sleeve and your arm goes across the front of their throat. You kind of grab oh, yeah, your other yeah, arm yeah, and yeah. extend your arms. Yeah. I had somebody do it to me one time, and I had a sore throat for like a week and a half. It felt like my yeah. my throat just got crushed, and I had to, and I tapped really fast, but it was just such yeah, yeah. a strong. I, I got caught in that yesterday too. In fact, I thought I had a sore throat because I had this big lump sort of in my throat last night, and it's better today. But you know, I have I've always got bruises, and I, I figured I found out that's one re- good reason to have a beard is because it hides all the bruises on my neck and shins. And- <laughs> <laughs> You could rub it in people's faces too. Actually, actually, a long beard is a good ch- defense against chokes because if you get your beard down, they can't really get their hands past your beard. <laughs> yeah, I would. I was uh, the white belt. I was all over his back last night, and he defended his neck really well. I tried to do when they have the hand in and still get like a C clamp and like do a choke from the back, like a certain oh. way, like wrestlers do. Yeah, he still held it. He's pretty, yeah, he pretty strong. Yeah, it's rad. I'm finding more and more artists doing jujitsu, um, and it seems like a natural fit. It's so strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is. It's it allows for a lot of creativity because once you do, develop some of the basic skills, uh, you can build upon it and tweak it and make it the way it works for you. And and there's there's a lot of that adaptability to it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about your work a little bit more. Um, I. I I wrote down the the word distortion, and I I think I find what I what I find really unique and interesting about your work is the sort of definition of of hands and movement in a certain way that yeah. creates like an exaggeration. Like there's, I always enjoy realism with like distorted exaggerations where it's not necessarily. I wouldn't go so far as to say surreal. But do you do you think you fit into any of those like stereotypical categories like uh in terms of like what you would call your painting? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I well, like it's like a distorted people, reality. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a you know, it's a hyper realistic. I mean, it's not even realistic, it's painterly, but it's people have asked me what my style is. I have a hard time describing what my I just tell them my style is wearing cargo shorts and sleeping until noon <laughs> <laughs> and heavy beard. <laughs> Or looks good from a distance, you know. As <laughs> I was just saying about some of my work just recently, good from far, good from far. But uh, you know, it's when it comes down to if I wanted to make things look natural and proportional in the way that they really are, I could. But why would I want to if I don't have to? So, well, that's what I'm know. thinking. Like, so do you have like you know? You mentioned really having a game plan. 
Yeah. Like, what is it about? Are, are, do you do you throw these exaggerations in there for an emphasis on on a particular area of a, of well, a like, work? Like for like the the hands, for example, on on men, I picture I always picture guys big strong characters having big strong hands and i remember when i was a kid my grandpa was sitting on his lap and holding his hand and his thumb was like the size of a tree stump it was like <laughs> that's how it appeared it was like he had these huge monstrous hands and he was like six foot four you know big burly guy and uh so i always imagined just big strong guys with just huge meat hook hands and that's uh, so it's so it's kind of a character design it had, adds to that vibe and yeah. the distort the distortions i put into people are often I'm trying to convey, you know, an overemphasis on the the, you know, gesture, the body language, so that you really it jumps out at you, and you you recognize those sort of things because we re- we recognize it in other people. We see how they sit and how they talk and yeah. how they move around. So I try to, you know, with only one static image, try to capture the exaggerated version of that idea, even if it's a simple idea like somebody's sitting in a chair, sort of. Uh, uh, introspectively you know like how do, how do you convey that and how's their weight in their shoulders versus their hips and you know so those distortions come out of that and it's a bit of caricature i guess but right uh a little, you know a little more purposeful than making it look kind of goofy yeah right which it tends to happen a lot with when people get exaggerated like a, i'm reminded not that there's any comparison but i'm reminded of like big eye girl paintings yeah, yeah. Like that gets a little kitschy, but then that but, was that was actually the inspiration for my going into the outlaw stuff. Was, uh, was you know <laughs> the big eyed the big eyed girls paintings. Yeah. I, well, that's yeah. What I wanted to bring up. Like, there's a level of masculinity to the work that you're making, and this is this is something that I feel like I've been addressing as well over the last few years. Is like reestablishing like a sense of manliness, even though it's funny because it's such a like man culture like the art world like feminists would say that it's dominated by men maybe it is um but there's a level of using the word femininity sort of a a demasculinization of when you when using like comic like imagery or like you know like cartoonish things like like i i feel like there's a level of of masculinity where it almost seems to me like you're challenging some of that stuff or at least like making a mention of it which yeah. seems to be done less and less these days well you know i'm not really thinking about it in terms of challenging anybody's idea about masculinity yeah, maybe just, challenging isn't a good word but, but maybe, maybe addressing maybe, it well i guess what the point you're hitting on that i that i'm thinking about is that you know i'm, I'm representing myself i'm representing my idea of masculinity and 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 it's kind of a the uh the ego version of my of myself as far as like you know i, I don't consider myself a macho guy but i i, I like macho characters and, and movies and ideas and stories and just and not necessarily macho like you know like big and burly and tough but like clever and 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 smart and and uh you know somebody who has a lot of gumption i guess you know like jesse james and those kind of guys they were you know probably pretty fascinating people i mean the, the way that they just the way they thought so and uh like you said, a lot of the culture today really dumbs down men. Men are easy, you know, the targets of all kinds of jokes. I mean, you know, from Carl's Jr.'s commercials where, you know, a guy can't figure out how to buy a package of hamburger in a grocery store to, you know, <laughs> every sitcom where it's the big dumb oaf who's married to the hot smart woman, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's you know, all nobody ever complains about it. I'm not complaining about it, but that's, that's not 
the reason I'm making this, but what I find is that because there is no positive, you know, good examples of manly manhood or, or manliness and, you know, like the, the male, ide- you know, whatever that is and art, it's all catered to, to women and beautiful paintings of women. And that's, that's fine. But, but, uh, you know, what I, what I found is that guys like it and women like, ah, oh, this is what we like about guys. You know, guys, women like men to be men and not yeah. to be women. But even though they think that, you know, even though everything on TV says men should be more sensitive and be more like women, but <laughs> yeah. that's, that's and, not really what women want. <laughs> and any sort of deviance from that becomes sort of classified as chauvinistic in some way. Yeah. Like, that's what we yeah. see. Like, being a man has now become chauvinistic in that, like, yeah. it's it's stereotyped as, like, you know, 50s, like, hard-nosed dad that yeah. worked at the dealership. My, my thinking on that is that you're never going to, like, dance around everybody's qualms. So, you know, might as well just get my I'm an asshole t-shirt and say, get on there, just jump on their bandwagon and <laughs> just tell them, that, yeah, 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 I'm a jerk. What you have I a do? good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a real, like, I just don't give a fuck type of. Uh, I mean, it, and I'm not saying that you don't give a fuck about anything, but like, sort of, there is that idea that you can just deal with, like, like letting things be what they are instead of trying to yeah. change them. So well, much. that's what I mean. That's that's pretty much what it is. Like, you can waste all kinds of time playing their game of like it's a show, and I can go back or it's not, and and I can have that fight with somebody, but then I can say, yeah, you're right, and just move on with my life to something better and more more useful of my time. Uh, you're so much <laughs> more mature good. than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, can't, fuck it, really we're like. arguing for 16 hours. Uh, I, Ready, I like go. Getting, on the other side of it, though, I like to troll the people. I like to, you know, they, they start playing that game. I like to play it a little farther. And whoever it is, I like to see how much farther I can I can ramp it up, you know, just keep them going. You know, on my, on my Facebook page, I'll post stuff about, you know, usually if I post something that has philosophical or religious in, in nature, I get all kinds of debate about it. Like, I asked, <laughs> I asked one time if God could be an atheist. <laughs> I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice joke. Uh, I sent my friend. Uh, my friend. You know. You probably know Chet Czar, right? Yeah. Not personally, but I'm. I'm familiar yeah, with the work. Yeah. He's a. He's a. He's a real good friend of mine. Anyways, I. I sent him a private message. You know. He posted a reality is a elaborate hoax on his page, and you know. I. I private messaged him. I said, uh, you know, time doesn't exist, and he responded, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. All right. Well, that might be a good stop to a good spot to end this thing on. Let's. Um. You got your show coming up in Las Vegas. I think that this episode will be out after the opening has already happened. But uh, I imagine the show's up for a little bit. Actually, it's a it's a one night event. Actually, oh shit! October twelfth. But it's. I think some of the work's gonna go. It's being put on by uh, Distinction Gallery. Actually, they've rented a location there, and uh, we're doing a premiere there. And then I think they're gonna have the. Most of the work, if not all of it, at at the uh, at their gallery in Escondido. Okay, so I'll opening. actually be able to go see it. Then. Oh, nice! Yeah, for another opening on the 16th. I, I'm not sure it's all the details of what's going to be there, but but uh, should have that on my side. If you go to distinctionart.com, I should distinction gallery. You just Google search it. They should have some information about it too. I got a funny story. Somebody um, just recently wanted to buy a piece of mine that was up there, and uh, they offered to trade poetry for it. Did it work? No, I didn't. I didn't take the. I didn't take the trade. <laughs> See, that wasn't as funny, I guess, as I thought it was, because you guys just sat there quiet. No, well, you, you should have taken it as a deposit. <laughs> as a deposit. <laughs> yeah. Right. What if, so, um, let's get uh, 
let's get people over to your website and you do all the social media stuff. Yeah, GabeLeonard.com. The Facebook is Gabe Leonard Art. Uh, after the Facebook, uh, Twitter is Gabe, at Gabe Leonard Art. I think. <laughs> I know yeah. you always <laughs> kind of get <laughs> It's like I don't I don't memorize my own phone number, but I and I don't memorize my own Twitter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. Well, um, I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. Turn your camera on. We'll do internet dap. All right, man. Bam. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And, and stay with the jujitsu. Don't give up. Yeah. Some people get the blue oh, no. belt blues. Oh no. oh, no. I'm having a good time with it still. It's you know, I'm the, it's one of those things that could burn, you could burn out if I was doing it all the time. And, I, and when I first started, I was doing my weight training and jujitsu in the same day. And I, I was like, oh, this is too much. And so now I was like, okay, slow down a bit. It's not trying to, you're not trying to set the world on fire here. Just two, two or three days a week, and you know you won't be doing it so much that you burn out. Yeah, I need to learn from you. I enjoy the pleasure, and then I give myself massive amounts of pain because <laughs> <laughs> I'll train five days a week, and then I'll, my spine and every muscle in my body and every joint will just be destroyed. Yeah. I'm old that's, guy. That's you know. <laughs> A doctor, can, a doctor can write you a prescription for that. Yeah, okay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm going to go work on that prescription right now. All right, All right Gabe. Have a great day. Here. All right, man. Thanks. See you later. Late. Bye.